0: seekers, explorers and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchem Experience Podcast I'm your host, Christopher Lemke Today we're discussing division There's a lot of dividing opinions in the world and we're seems like we're becoming more and more polarized as uh, time goes by and everybody's uh, blaming everybody else for uh, perpetuating and uh, causing division and uh So in this episode we're trying to ascertain how division comes about and uh, what we can do about it. And uh, as always I'm uh, assisted in this discussion and uh, thought process by uh, my lovely audience who willingly uh, share their beautiful wisdom. So let's get into the meat of the matter. Enjoy. Hello everybody and thank you for joining me today the Alchemy Experience podcast. Today we're talking about division. Uh, I think for the past 10, 15 years, division has grown uh, and people have become more and more polarized. And it is something that we, we are concerned with. And I think a lot of people wonder, how do we solve these ills of society? So, if you remember from uh, the Three Musketeers, the famous quote from uh, Alexandre Dumas, uh, uh, we we tend to use the uh, shortened version of it. But the full quote is "All for one, and one for all. United we stand; divided we fall." And I think the last part there is uh, ma- makes the uh, cliche. Statement or the cliche quote, uh, quite f- uh, fundamental and uh, significant uh, for today's times. Um, so when we're looking at at uh, division in society or division among, among people, uh, we can take the famous uh, family feud of the, uh, uh, what was it, the McCoys and Whatever they're called in the in the Appalachian Mountains or Blue Blue Ridge Mountains in the United States, I think they were in Kentucky, um, where they held up this um, upheld this uh, conflict. Hatfields, thank you, Barbie. Uh, upheld this uh, conflict for generations. We're talking probably a good five, six, seven generations, and it was only. Uh, I think like 10, 20 years ago that they actually decided to <laughs> call, call it a truce. Um, so what is it that happens when we experience division? So if you look at yourself, when you've experienced, when you, every time you get triggered and you attach yourself to the reaction of that trigger, you are essentially experiencing division. Because you separate yourself from the person or the experience that triggers you. So the the, um, external uh, expression of division, if you like, is when we perpetuate that. So if I am constantly triggered by another person, I might grow to dislike them or in some cases grow to actually hate them Um, and that's when we we widen that division between us now when we have that happen happen between groups of people then of course you have the same thing but there is a a notion or there's a uh, each uh, side if you like has a common ground that they Uh, platform that they uh, uh, base their dislike of someone else uh, from. So the causes of division as I've kind of come to know them, the big one is fear. It's the fear of losing what one has or fear of losing what one thinks, thinks one has. So it could be Fear of losing jobs to immigrants. Uh, it could be fear of not being able to practice your religion uh, freely. Uh, it could be any type of fear will typically drive in a wedge between you and someone else. Uh, we also um, having judgment. Of course, judgment is based on fear of something because fear of something you don't understand. Um, it's mistrust it's also disconnect from your intuition and your higher self your s- uh, spiritual side uh, can cause division uh, lacking self-awareness goes along those same lines and uh, that you fail to communicate is often the perpetuator of division. Um, and of course if we go a little bit higher up in the uh, in the uh, uh, shall we say the the ranks of government or any hierarchical power structure power the driving force of power could be uh, uh, perpetuating or a source for division
1: thank you very much um, actually this is really great subject because I'm in the process of reading the book by Matt Taibbi called Hate Incorporated. It's a fabulous book um, and it basically shares... A, Matt Taibbi, is a, he was a journalist, so he was working, or I'm not sure whether he's still working, but he definitely been working for like mainstream media. And um, he's been covering a lot of like political stories. He was working uh, we on political campaigns, like presidential campaigns in states and things like that. And basically what he's saying after like his many years of experience is the in the media he says that the media actually is a product like news is the product and uh what what media wants to do like mainstream media wants to do uh, it's uh, sell, of course they want to sell you that product so they want to convince you that you are either with us or against us. Therefore, you've got whether this is—you know—you can see that in the states, you can see that in many countries in Europe, you can see it uh, pretty much everywhere. That you've got two stations with completely opposite views. You've got left, right, labor, um, conservatives, and all of that. And what they want to do—it's actually they want. The, the one one party or one one platform really want to despise the other so they want to convince you that the half of the population so for, you know the split is usually like 48 to 52 percent or 50 it's usually very close to 50 50 and they want to convince you that other half of the population that occupy or live on that specific geographic area, are worthless, and you've got to despise them, and you've got to, like, disgust them. And he's proposing, actually, and I really like this quote, uh, that uh, all of the news, they should be actually, um, they should have, like, label attached to to them as, uh, similarly to what you've got on the cigarette packs that, you know, be careful what you are reading, because it can actually kill you. Yeah. And, and you can. <laughs> And I found this quote, I I mean, you know, I'm not as eloquent uh, as Matt in his book, and it's very difficult to condense like three or 400 pages worth of a book in a few minutes of a conversation, and just to express that everything. But it's just like, um, it's just, it's worth thinking that we need to take uh, all of the news that we are are reading with a pinch of salt, and it's worth um, looking at who is benefiting, from the news, and um, of course, I'm not. I'm not proposing any conspiracy theories. You know, I'm not. I'm not a, one of those guys. But what I would promote strongly is the critical thinking and critical evaluation. So, um, I work at the university. My background is in a kind of in academia, and I do love reaching these sources. So, if I read something, I go through the. You know. I ask myself a question, okay, th- does it resonate with me? Yes, no, okay, who wrote this? Are there any special interest groups who might benefit from it? You know, just do like a little bit of research rather than just going through the Facebook to um, thread or just the newspaper, uh, magazine, or, ju- or interview with someone, something, and I don't take it for granted. I really want to dive in deep to find out, like, why is, why is that person telling me all of this stuff? You know who is benefiting from it? Where is the truth? Because one of the sorry, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, conclude soon. One of the things that media really tries to convince us is that it's either black or white. You know, it's either A or Z. But the truth is, it's either left or right. But truth is, like landscape moves. You know, and there is never ever a situation that everything is black and white. There is always some kind of shades of gray. So yeah. So that's my kind of conclusion. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, of course. And I, I would actually, well, I'm, I'm not entirely in, I, I'm totally actually in agreement with uh, his sentiment there that uh, the uh, media should come with a uh, Surgeon General's warning or health warning uh, that uh, something to along the effects of uh, that the news you're about to read be, be careful you might actually think it's true um uh but uh i think the media is more of a product of division as opposed to causing the division they are just playing the game uh, and perpetuating the division as opposed to being the source of it
2: i think that Everything I, that you guys were saying, I agree with. I think a lot of things kind of are different based on local municipalities and you know, national versus globalist, et cetera. And I think that a lot of things that have happened is that we've jumped from these little ponds to these bigger ponds, to these giant ponds, to these global ponds, but we haven't had any conversations on how to be able to segue into that and have a bridge between them. So I think it was 1987 that Fox News Network was created as a network. And I know that because I was standing by the Hollywood sign um, in California and Los Angeles and a bunch of their employees were standing, there were champagne bottles jumping up and down because the Hollywood sign was lit up and underneath it, the Fox sign you know, had the lights and they were all jumping around. And so it was like this big party scene. Um, and I was 18 at that time in high school and so you had a lot of these conglomerate, like Clear Channel and a lot of other things where we have maybe six media companies in the entire world that own all of the information. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. see be that you would have these different people that go out onto the quote unquote, the beat to get the local news and then the local things, but then the Associated Press would then put that out to these people, to the, you'd have the local and then the county and then the state and the principality and the national news. But now everything is where got these cortisone hits or cortisol hits the adrenaline hits it's just like bam 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 bam. the world's gonna blow up everything's horrible even this you know and then people are running around with all of this you know all of this fear in their bodies and as we know fear is something that allows a person to be controllable Mm -hmm. so because these segue conversations haven't been had i mean the united states has been an experiment in the last 300 years of freedom and in the last year based on the pandemic a lot of those freedoms that we used to have have been just completely handed over and it's so bizarre to see how certain states are handling certain things and it's the same exact situation and the same thing happening in the eu i mean sweden handled the pandemic a certain way brexit handled it a different way everybody's handling the same thing based on how they know or how they see fit but it's also what people are allowing them to get away with so that's the point about where this whole as Carl was saying, you're either you're for us or you're against us. And I choose to believe that there are other alternative realities of where everybody can have their own opinion and they can have their freedom to think what they want to think, but they can still coexist without forcing their opinions on other people. And that was the world that I thought we were looking for. And that's the world we were, we're moving towards, but instead it's like, it feels like there's so many things that have been rolled back. And I don't think in 1933 Germany, people were looking at everything happening at that moment, knowing that things would have happened the way they did, you know, 12 years later.
0: No, of course, no, I agree with that. The um, And I, I think it's, it is also down to the prevailing winds of the uh, collective consciousness, if you like, uh, if you like uh, where we, it's like the, Uh, pendulum of history kind of swings back and forth right so Mm -hmm. after the uh, second world war there's there was this drive towards and desire towards unity and peace right so you you have the creation of the eu which is the uh, originally was the uh, steel and coal union between france and germany that then became the economic cooperation in Europe uh, that then became the EU. So it started out. it all starts out with uh, the uh, uh, very beautiful notional idea of how things you know how we can cooperate and be, uh, bring unity and so forth. Uh, but a lot of times those situations we then have power comes into play and people get comfortable with, so you take the EU now, for example, with the European Parliament and the European Commissions, there's a lot of bureaucrats and politicians that are employed and make a, a very, very good salaries from, from uh, the positions they hold. They're not very likely to want to, um, to, want to uh, disassemble these power structures. And that goes with any power structure you have the same challenge in the US with uh, Congress and the Senate uh, all these civil servants living in a totally uh, in a bubble in terms of society you know it's free health care it's uh, holidays it's what have you it's totally separate from what the ordinary citizens of the United States experience so yes there is the element there is a big element of the power that be that uh, inserts that division to create that fear because the fear then allows them to to um, to rule, as it were. And this is the the in my my view, in a way, and this is totally personal view, the illusion of democracy. Um, we don't actually have democracy. We choose these people to sit for a period of time, and then they get re-elected. So it, it, we we get lazy as uh, individuals and mm-hmm. citizens as well. Um, but we also have you know division between religions. We have divisions between national nationalities. We have divisions within religions. Uh, look at the Shia Shias and the Shiites. Um, so and it all comes down to fear the fear of not being allowed to be who you are or who you consider as you are or that you're not going to be allowed to act or live within the rules that someone has told you that you must live within but because of your upbringing you then agree with those rules I suppose it's first for me in a way when you come to the point of view that you start questioning the rules of society, that you take yourself away from those fears and you start to kind of get this bird's eye perspective of of the, um, of the divisions and you start seeing where the fault lines go, right?
2: And that's also, you're talking about something which is also very, very scary from the perspective of the ivory tower, because if you're in academia and you're also in government And you're kind of like in your fortress. I mean, right now we have around the Capitol, we have the national guard. It's Mm -hmm. gonna be there until the fall, which we've never had before. And I think that ultimately you look at the whole Marie Antoinette's famous quote was let them eat cake. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the complete misunderstanding. She didn't understand that they didn't have bread. They didn't have anything to be able to eat. And so therefore from your lofty place where you're having all your luxury items and you're completely insulated, you can say whatever you want. And you're absolutely right. And I think there's a lot of people would like to have people have term limits of where after four, eight years, you really, really have kind of like, you know, outworn your welcome. And if you're still holding on to the paradigm, and that's the other part too, that I think is important with division is that a lot of people don't choose to update their information. So if you talk to somebody who says, oh yeah, you know I mean? Like my experience of Korea is in the mid 1990s. I don't know what it looks like right now, but in my mind, it's what it looked like then to other people, if they've been to Europe 20 years ago, that's what Europe looks like to them in their minds because they haven't updated it. So that division is also because as a human, we oftentimes will cling to our old versions of whatever it was that we saw in the past, as opposed to updating it. So, you know, if I came to Europe, I would see a different Europe than I saw last time because it's it's updated. There's a lot of more modern things that would have experienced. So that's an important thing too, that the human condition also needs to continue to update the new version. I mean, we do that on our phones, right? We get the iOS 14.1.2, and then we get the point 14.2.5. We get all these different new updates on our phones, but we don't update ourselves as human beings. And that's as important as updating
0: your freaking phone. So I think actually, yes, the updating is important, but if we try to understand from a fundamental point of view, everyone who's different to us we're going to drive ourselves batty simply don't have the brain power to do it um so like most things in my coaching practice i try to simplify it so i would i try to when i look at divisions or someone trying to divide with me i apply the the I would say the layer of compassion and acceptance to that person to understand, try to understand where they're coming from. So there is the story of now I can't remember her name because I'm terrible with names, but uh, someone from the Westboro Baptist Church uh, who broke out of of the cult, as it were, and started to engage with people that she had been told. That she had to hate, right? Uh, and Westboro Baptist Church is the church that uh, they're famous for being out on the streets when they're uh, then when they're, when they're uh, burying dead soldiers or uh, gays or what what have you, and they uh, very hateful messages, right? Um, so she started engaging, and she started understand, or this was actually before she broke out out of the uh, cult, Uh, she started to engage with people that she was supposedly against or opposed to. And she started to understand that once she started asking questions and people started asking questions of her, that they could gain a connection and they can gain an understanding. They didn't always have to agree, but there could be a level of understanding and a level of uh, understanding that they're no different. We just have different opinions, right? So it's the idea of it doesn't matter who who you are or what you believe. In my mind, I can always find something to connect with you And if the very last resort is for me to connect with your humanity and the inner child that you have, then so be it, if if that's the case. But there's always something I can connect with. So it's the idea of uh, moving towards compassion and acceptance. So accepting that someone has a different opinion than I do and saying that's okay, you know, I don't need to dislike that person for their opinion because they are entitled to their opinion, and I can, I don't need to like their opinion, but I can connect with them as a human being. Right.
1: And I think what you are saying, actually, about those differences, is, is one of the best part about interacting with other people. So one of the examples that I um. Used quite often when I work, with, when I talk to people, it's like it's the reason why NASA has employed so many engineers to work on Saturn V rocket in the sixties to design it. It was actually to gather as many different point of view and different opinions, and only that brainstorming and collaboration and throwing those ideas. Some of them were right, good ideas. Some of them they not so good. But only that collaboration and uh, building on those differences enabled people to actually send someone to the moon. Yeah. Without that, like if if I came along and I said like, you know, actually I'm gonna create a rocket that is gonna fly on, uh, it's gonna be powered by on water, then yeah, that's my opinion, and everyone can agree with that. But we would never be able to send anyone anywhere. So actually, I need someone who say, Carol, now what you are saying. I disagree with you, I respect you as a person, but actually rockets can't fly on (laughs) the water, can't be powered on water, at least not now, because we don't have all the technology that that, that can do it. But (laughs) I do disagree with that, Christopher.
0: I think Peter Diamandis will disagree with that, because that's what one of the things they're doing, or or Elon Musk is doing, is Looking to use the water reservoirs on on the moon to um, have the moon as a a propelling station to fly to Mars.
1: Oh yeah, I, I know that, but I didn't know so, uh, so the hydrogen technicalities of that, comes so... water.
0: hydrogen uh, comes from water, doesn't it?
1: True. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I knew the plan like <laughs> sort of, but I didn't know this kind of technicalities. So i um, um, yeah, but but there you go. So th- that's so and in learning as well, like one of the things when, when it comes to learning, it's uh you've got to come out of your comfort zone. The best learning always occurs when you challenge yourself, when you grow. And if you are all the time within your uh, echo chamber or whether it's like your comfort zone, you're never going to learn, you're never going to expand, you're never going to push yourself to discover something about yourself that you didn't know it exists. So actually that challenge coming out of the comfort zone, talking to people that you disagree with, talking to people from different religious countries and finding a connection, different political ideologies. It's, it should be almost like kind of mandatory, you know, for mandatory exercise for everyone. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, diversity uh, diversifies, doesn't it? Uh, Barbie? I just
2: wanted to say that um, I agree with you, Carl, cause I know that my, one of my favorite years of my entire life was when I went to high school in Austria and we used to go to the pub after, um, and we would all just sit there and just hammer out all these ideas and just everyone would really just, you know, have these amazing conversations about art and culture and politics and just whatever was the topic, but nobody ever had, you know, any information that was like, you know, a, a problem of, of issues and things like that. Everybody really respected each other. But one concept I know what you were just saying, Christopher, about you know the illusion of democracy. I like the concept of laissez-faire. That mm-hmm. was always one of my favorite concepts in politics. I like the fact that you know you do you, let me do me, and then we basically don't have to basically agree on that kind of stuff. But just as long as you don't encroach upon me, I'm fine with whatever you do. And I think that's something where it's not always um, you know clear. For some reason, sometimes there is a feeling that people despite how crazy their ideas are, as you were saying, Carl, you have to come with me or you're against me. And if you're against me, you have to die. So in some ways it's like, there's not really any like, you know, middle of the road. And you're also right about that too, Christopher, about what they say about the five people that you hang out with are the most important people that, you know, you surround yourself frequency wise, because I don't need to hang out with all the different people and I don't need to take people and their other ideas on. But I need to decide what I want to actually associate with for myself. But I also don't want to be in an echo chamber where I only hang out with people who only agree with me because otherwise I don't get my challenges. Mm -hmm. The brain is a muscle and we need to be challenged in regards to saying, you know, so what do you think about this? And if I'm around people who disagree with me and I respect their opinion, then I will take their opinion to heart and I will decide whether I update my new opinion to incorporate what they just said or whether or not I keep to my own because it fortifies my opinion and makes it stronger because I know that I can actually push back against that.
0: Well, here, here's the challenge then. There's a lot of people that live in rather homogenous uh, societies and communities um, where they are raised to hate others or to uh, be suspicious of others, um, of certain uh you know, racist communities and what have you. Um, so, the question is, what in those communities? How do how can we reach into those communities and say, you know, you're living in an echo chamber. Diversity is good. You know, you don't need to be fearful. Um, it's it comes down to empowering by education and empowering by informing, I think. Um, But how do we uh, achieve this? Because I think one of the challenges, and we've seen it with the populist movements both in America and here in Europe, is that politicians tend to ignore the populist movements until they become so strong that they actually take over. and then suddenly you have to you you become kind of uh, controlled by it um so it's we we do need to heal the divisions right and how do we do that go ahead i
1: think uh, it just starts well coming back to the book i think the matt what matt is saying there it's that media and um they try to get you hooked and really frustrated and angry of the things that of on the things that you cannot control and you don't have any control over. And they want to teach you basically they, they are teaching people saying that if you don't know who is the president of Japan, then you are ignorant and you you know basically you are a loser in your life and your opinion doesn't matter. Um, and I think when it comes to like big cultural change sometimes we adopt that and we are trying to think very globally but actually changes starts very very small and you can make those changes starting very very small and if you embrace huge challenge and you are aiming to embrace that huge challenge and you and if you don't have the resources you're gonna stop pursuing that challenge on second day of your pursuit start small like if you see that someone from your close friends or family, it's doing something that that you disagree with. It Just be honest with your own values. Just talk to them. Like, I talk to my parents very often because um, they are in their 70s. And I disagree with them on many occasions. And I see, for example, that. Uh, let's use the, you know, nutrition as the example. I know that my mom has some kind of um, problems with her stomach and she shouldn't uh, consume certain foods, but she claims that she likes it. So I'm just being honest with my own values and I'm trying to persuade her in that compassionate manner, talk to her that, you know, you might need to change your diet and just do whatever I can using very small steps to make her, you know, to, to, to make her see the world in a slightly different way and push her to do some kind of actions that are actually beneficial for her, even though that she might not be able to see it now, she might be able to appreciate that in like a few months' time or maybe a year. So I, I don't know. It's just like start small perhaps and, try and be authentic with yourself.
0: Yeah, and no, I unfortunately, I think we're, we were talking about echo chambers before and, uh, you know, we're probably as much at fault of being in echo chambers as many others, even though we, we're open to uh, to other opinions. Um, but there also the idea that you can't force someone, and I think Carol, you and I have had these discussions uh, uh, previously and separately, but uh, you can't force someone to awaken as it were right so the so it's more like we have to find a way to empower people to understand that they don't need to be fearful right it's you don't have to be afraid of these changes because change happens whether you sit sit on your sofa and do nothing or you're out there actually taking charge and trying to enact change it's going to happen whether you like it or not Um, and i I think most most people they find especially when they're in closed kind of homogenous communities that they are afraid of the change that they don't know anything about it's the fear of the unknown right
1: and i think that you are spot on because i think the only one thing that is constant it's changed.
0: Absolutely. You know, Earth doesn't stop uh, and say, oh, right, uh, I can't keep moving because uh, we've got to keep things the same, right? It keeps spending and going around and around, around the sun and the solar system goes round around, around the galaxy and, and, so, and on we go, right? Absolutely. So, and time is, at least in this reality, is linear or a spiral. You know, we we it doesn't go back on itself. Um, so change is ever evolving and changing, and technology and or technological involvement uh, uh, perpetuates that too. So, so from my point of view, I think helping people to understand that there is nothing to fear would be the first step. Now, whether people are ex- uh, ready to accept that—that's a different matter. But if you go into a community and say, "Oh, yeah, you guys are wrong," like it was saying, saying before, you can't, Carol, that you can't do that. You can't go and belittle people, saying oh, Well, th- these are matters of the government. You don't understand. Um, you just. Take your place over there and uh, sit down and be quiet, right? Because then you actually perpetuate the fear, you're actually confirming, it becomes a confirmation of what they were afraid of, that you, you're messing with them and you're meddling with their their freedom and their, their way of life. Um, so it needs to be from the point of view of compassion and understanding that, yeah, we understand that you're afraid of this. However, Change is always going to happen. So you can choose either to be afraid of it or to embrace it. Now, you may want to say, I want, if change is going to happen, I want it to happen this way, as opposed to this way. And that's perfectly fine because then you're engaging. Then you are stepping out of your fear element and saying, Well, I, I would prefer to change this way. Then great. Let's have that conversation, right? But it's when you sit down and you're you you you're battling, you're becoming loggerheads, then that's when we have the division, right? You were going to say something,
1: Carol? Well, yeah, I was just going to say that I absolutely 100% agree with you because, like, if you... Uh what you said if you go to meet group of people just to say that they are wrong and you try to enforce your opinion over their values or over their opinions just Mm -hmm. create more division so i think the most like even if you are going to make those small steps and coming from the compassion and things like that you need to create that platform you need to create that you've got to be this facilitator in which people are able actually to tell you their story. Because the fact that they are in this place, that they have completely different point of view, and maybe even destructive point of view, um, it is their life story. As you said, they might be embraced like that. They might be taught by society, by their parents, by teachers, what have you. They might be, have been bullied. Everyone has a story. And until we um, show genuine interest in that story we are not in the place to change that story because we frankly we don't understand so i think that understanding is the key component of, of um talking about change
0: absolutely and, and in order to understand we have to be compassionate we have to have compassion for for diversity and the compassion for other people's opinions and fears right once we have that then we are able to take take the step in and say, okay, I do understand this. How do we uh, alleviate this and get that connection between the uh, two people or two different groups? Get that understanding between the groups. I mean, this is if we can if we can get this uh, to be the truth world over, then suddenly we've achieved world peace because people would understand each other. They would seek to understand each other. That's how you get peace. I mean, this is what Mikhail Gorbachev uh, did very well was to, with his idea of understanding, he was able to uh, create that, uh, solve the uh, Cold War. But then you have someone like Putin come in who's full of fear that, you know, the world is against him and what have you. And round round the clock we go again, right? So <laughs> it's we're always going to have those challenges, but how do we and it becomes a individual and personal responsibility, I think, to to embody that compassion for others that are of a differing opinion than yourself, I would say. So I think so it's come we're talking about compassionate questioning. We're talking about understanding, being charitable, and trusting. Go ahead, Barbie.
2: I think a lot of things also have shifted in the sense of we're kind of like the celebrity worship culture, too, though. Because when you have people that, you know, like Beyonce and Kim Kardashian and other people who have 50 to 60 million followers and whatever they say, people kind of like will follow a trend or they'll sell things out or other things like that. You're looking at people who don't have any kind of historical or contextual context to things. And they just kind of like spewing things from a perspective of, okay, I have this many followers. And Plato had a really, really amazing quote which was that the empty vessel makes the loudest noise. And so you've got these people who have, you know, in a social media concept, every single person has the same size bullhorn. And a lot of times people will start to listen to the person who's yelling the loudest, but a lot of times, unfortunately, they're not really saying very much. And that's where I think that it's important that people who are not in the ivory towers have an opportunity. Like, I mean, in Europe, you guys have to do obligatory military service, right?
1: You guys have to do,
2: but it's still, it's the kind of thing of where it's an opportunity of where you have to learn about your country. You have to learn about, you know, the. The taking care of things. If you had maybe a mandatory thing of where you had students who were in their gap years or 18, they had to do some sort of charity work, or they had to go do mm-hmm. something like, you know, United Nations, or they had to go find, you know, something of where they could help with charitable things, you would have such a different perspective. And if the government subsidized those kind of things, let's say you had some kid from New Jersey that goes to Kenya, and they can work at a school for six months, or they could be of service in this way. I think having that service mindedness of where you get out of your own stuff really gives you an opportunity to see how other people live. And if you have that opportunity, it changes that whole dynamic. And so then you don't have the division because you can see how other people have lived. But if you've never seen it, and you're just kind of stuck in your own little gap, um, it's one of the things with, with the quest that we're doing. I love that live by your own rules, because that's totally talking about how can you be an individual with allowing other people to do whatever they need to do? Because I don't need Personally, if I have freedom for myself, and I want freedom for you as well, I don't need you to agree with me, but I also need you to give me the freedom to be myself, while I will give you the freedom to be yourself.
0: And that's part of the social contract, isn't it? To that, if I accept you, you accept me. If I, uh, you know, I have compassion for you, and I accept you, and if I uh, endeavor to understand you then you have no reason to, or I deflate your, your animosity towards me. Because every time you come after me with uh, hate or with uh, uh, just uh, destructive commentary, I come back and I say, you know, I, I wonder why you feel that way. You know, that, then you deflate the whole argument of hate, don't you? Yep, exactly. And this is obviously, we can't go to communities and say, oh, you guys all have to get, become compassionate now and you have to uh, accept, uh, you know, everybody and everything. But yeah, having influences that actually talk about these things is critical. You know, rather than having influences that are just paddling makeup and uh, fashion brands, you know, <laughs> Influences. They're actually talking about how can we evolve and become better humans, and how can we become better, better fellow humans, right?
3: Christopher, yes, sir. Could I try in? Um, I'm driving, so we're all right. I used to uh, go to the senior center in in my my town. I'm going to be seventy this year, and I my thing was tutoring math. So I was doing a math workshop in in hopes that people would understand that math would will help your brain. And the one person who showed up was this very conservative, uh, evangelical lady. And we we worked pretty well together. And uh, somehow I couldn't keep myself from discussing other important things. And I, we never really, I never let it get to the point where we were arguing. I just simply asked, you know, well, why, what is it that you really, what do you think this is really about? So she was consistently trying to save my soul. And I was consistently trying to explain that Medicare for all was not necessarily going to be a bad thing. And, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, restrictions on how much crap you could put in the air wasn't necessarily a bad thing that you know there you could you could keep good things and still have jobs and one day she walked in and I looked at her and I said I have a question and she said yes I said do you like me and she looked at me and she says you know we are just so very different that yes I think I like you yeah and I think that that experience, it, you know, I try never to, um, it, it, pissing people off doesn't work, okay? And if you want to change anything, you, you're, just, you're just planting seeds. You know, what you say today isn't necessarily going to change somebody's mind immediately. But, you know, you plant those seeds and you let them grow. And that's the part of getting together and uh, you know experiencing who's what. Uh, I've never had much money, so I've never gotten to travel. You know, really experience Europe at all. Um, And at my age, I'm not going to fly, so you guys are never going to meet me. But
0: we'll come to you, Sherry.
3: Oh, now (laughs) I'm going to hold you to that, sweetie.
0: Um,
3: But just you know, enjoying where people are at. And uh, you can't, it's almost impossible to be non-judgmental. I mean, you know, we judge what particular kind of candy bar we, we prefer. But still, you know, you can, you can appreciate people where they are. And, you know, there's a part of me that that says, okay, well, you, you, you can't tolerate really icky stuff, but you can you can plant seeds without uh, confrontation. You really can. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've been accused of not being sufficiently outraged by injustices in the world, and I'm going. I, I work on those injustices every day. I live in a in a crappy. Uh, side of town where it's, uh, the, the, the other few white people <laughs> are, are are not exactly the people that you want to be friends with, but uh, I know most of my neighbors, little kids come to talk to me, and I just plant seeds.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think that's uh, uh, planting seeds or to show up as role models. Uh, two so, uh, to, to sides of the same coin, isn't it? Aren't
3: they? And a funny thing this morning, um, I woke up early and then I went back to sleep and I had this very strange dream that I was uh, I, I was attending a community meeting and we were I was trying to find a place to open up some sort of youth center and people were were not agreeing at all and I I got really upset and I went to somebody who was sort of in charge and I said look you know these kids need support they don't need this and I said you know what people you don't like need support and then I woke up and now I understand why and what it was really all about.
0: (laughs) Yeah no that's that's beautiful thank you Sherry that's knowing how to hold space for someone that you may not necessarily agree with or that may in fact actually on the face of it, hate you is a powerful thing. And uh, there are stories online. uh, You know, I've seen interviews with former Ku Klux Klan members that have developed these very deep friendships with uh, African-Americans or because the, the person has not given up trying to engage with the hater if you like from a soul point of view and trying to understand the other person and just as you say planting seeds and when it comes when it gets to the stage where the person uh, like in your case there sherry where the person actually likes you it's very difficult for them to dislike you for something that you stand for, right? And it becomes, they, they allow themselves to accept you for who you are. And I think, again, you know, once we have that level of compassion for each other, then it's very easy to uh, accept each other as well. And once we accept each other for our differences and for our diversity, then it's not so challenging to say, you know, let's solve this problem. You can have two people from vastly different communities, vastly different cultures come together and uh, if there is a problem, solve that problem satisfying each of their needs. So one of my the examples I <laughs> attempt to use is the environmentalist and the jet setter that I get together the jet setter wants to fly all, all over the world and the, um, the environmentalist wants to save the environment Two seemingly very opposing uh, points of view. But what they do is they meant the uh, uh, the green flight or the uh, environmentally friendly uh, plane, right? So it's allowing the diversity and the cha- uh, different uh, points of view to come together to create a solution for a uh, for for two separate problems but they actually solve two problems with one one solution um, and I think this is something we need more of and I, I think the Carol uh, kind of referred to this earlier as well with with the uh, original space program that you have such a cataclysmic and big problem that you're trying to solve, you need to get as many people together of different uh, backgrounds as possible to solve that problem. And if you don't do that, then you're not going to solve the problem satisf- satisfactory because you're all thinking in, in the same direction. Uh, go ahead, Barbie.
2: I think that's also what you were talking about in regards to the echo chamber because even you know, as you and I have talked about, you know, the groups of flow that Stephen Kotler and Keith Ferrazzi have referred to as well. It's really, really important that you don't have people that you surround yourself with that are going to be yes men and ass kissers. You cannot have that. Because ultimately, a lot of times when there is a problem, you need to get the best minds together to be able to say, okay, how can we solve this? But if you have everyone just saying, oh, oh, that's so great. Oh, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, wow, that's great. Or you're sitting on your laurels and like, well, I won a Nobel Peace Prize. Well, I won this award in science. Well, I know this about math, et cetera, et cetera. It's the kind of thing of where, you know, Vishen Lakiani has stated that when you're an expert on something, you become an incrementalist because you don't always know. you you focus on your expertise as opposed to coming up with that. So like even you and I, we don't agree on a lot of stuff, but by the same token, I'll tell you where I don't agree with you. And you'll tell me where you don't agree with me. And that's wonderful because then I'm able to say, you know what, Christopher, I agree with you and I'm going to change my opinion about blah, 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 or I completely disagree with you and thank you for your opinion. But the thing about it is that if we look at it from the perspective of human beings, you can like a human being but not like all of their opinions. I don't have to like every opinion that someone else has. So that's the part about it where I think people get into this childlike idea that, you know, oh, I like the color red. Do you like the color red? Well, if you like the color red and I like the color red, then we can be friends. But if you don't like the color red, then I can't like you because you don't like what I like. And it's like, (laughs) holy crap, we're not five years old. You know, we need to get past that kind of stuff and allow each other to have disparate and different opinions about that stuff, but still stating, you know, I think you're awesome, but let's get the best minds together to solve this problem because it's not until the itch happens, it's what they say, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, you have to find the problem, and then have people be willing to do that. But if you get to a level of success of where you only surround yourself with the echo chamber of people that are all gonna kiss your ass and tell you how wonderful you are, you're gonna lose your edge and you're gonna lose the vision as to what you were supposed to be there for in the first place.
0: That's for sure. And uh, I, I would take a more cynical view on the uh, uh, role of invention. I say, laziness is the mother of all invention, but that's uh, just a little more cynical. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Sikun.
3: Yeah, thanks, Chris. I'm um, just picking up from what Barbie said. Um, there obviously is not, not
0: nothing wrong with like having our own opinions because ultimately it really it's about respecting our individuality. I think the problem really is when we hold on to those opinions so far too strong and you know like not willing to listen to anything else. That's where um, problems arise. That's where conflict really begins. And that's where that becomes ignorance. And in the largest scale of things, that's when division can really take place, whether it's in companies, in cultures, in societies, in families. Um, and yeah, that I'm sure you've discussed this earlier because I just joined the conversation a bit late, my bad. But yeah, just being super opinionated is like not the best thing. So, no, we, we didn't specifically discuss that, but um, okay, cool, but the uh. Yeah, the the stubbornness can certainly uh, be a a stumbling block. Um, And it's, again, it's the, the, the energy of resistance a lot of times that causes us to end up in the situation where we have division because we resist Uh, the change or we resist um, agreeing with someone because we are so entrenched or uh, have such investment in our own opinion or our um, our own point of view. So if you spent your entire life being taught to dislike any other religion apart from your own, then it's challenging to release that from yourself. And you are going to immediately when you meet someone of a different faith, you are going to have that division between the two of you. And I think a lot of times it's when we develop that curiosity and, and the ability to start asking questions about ourselves and others. That's when we start getting those connections. And but we don't ask enough questions we don't ask questions often enough so it's for us to as an indi- as individual to move into a state of questioning and compassionate questioning to understand okay this is my point of view what is your point of view once you have the point of view points of view on the table then you say okay how does either of these points of view solve the issue. How does either of these points of view solve the challenge we're up against? If neither of them do, then you work together to come up with the a, a, a third solution. If one of them does, or one and a half does, then you take elements from it perhaps. So it's, it's having that curiosity to want to solve the problem and curiosity to see how you can solve the problem I think are far more important than sitting and being stuck on your own <laughs> stuck on your own uh, opinion as so were. Well. But again, we can't force people to realize that. So I think what Sherry is saying is very important that we are all responsible for showing up, being our best role models, so people can see how we do it, but also to plant seeds without being belittling, without uh, trampling all over the boundaries of another person and showing interest, being curious and showing interest, I think are very important in that respect.
2: I just wanted to say that, unfortunately, one of the things that has occurred recently, especially with the pandemic and using that for an excuse for a lot of things is exactly what you're saying, is that question everything has been kind of shut down. So, there's a lot of things of where now it's like basically, no, you're not allowed to jog outside. No, you're not allowed to do this. No, you have to, you know, I mean, there are all these rules and laws and things like that that have become very arbitrary and they're not being held, you know, across the board for different things. I mean, you know, I have friends that are in different states and they're doing this and this is opening and that's closing and then this is open and that's not. And can you do outdoor dining? And it's just like, it's just all these things that are on and on and on but I do hope that we continue to live in a world where we continue to have the right and the ability to ask questions because when the ability and the right to ask questions is taken away, that's really, really when things go very dark. That that to me is the most important thing that we still have the ability to question our government in that sense, because as you said, it really is an illusion of democracy but a lot of people, when you ask them their, you know to defend why they're doing what they're doing, they really don't have very much of an answer of anything. Or you hear somebody say stuff like, yeah, well, uh, we'll circle back on that one. Yeah, well, uh, we'll circle back to you. Well, yeah, we'll just circle back on, we'll circle back. And it's like, you know, eat shit and die, because we're not going to circle back on anything. And you was, you know, the computer says no, basically.
0: <laughs> yes, lovely uh, little Britain, yes. Uh, and... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I look here in the UK where we've been in lockdown now since uh, before Christmas. I'm losing count. Uh, But thankfully, kids are going back to school on the 8th of March. (laughs) Kids out of the house. Um, Looking forward to that. Uh, But then you have places like Sweden where it's pretty much anything goes. I mean, I see on Facebook, you know, people are up in the uh, north of Sweden and the uh, ski resorts, and they're they're standing there breathing on each other. No uh, face masks or what, whatever. Um, if anything, they should have like scarves because it's cold. Uh, <laughs> but uh, different matter. Um, so it's it is very different. And I think here in the UK, if we hadn't had the lockdown or the lockdowns, uh, our death statistics would have been so much worse. And I firmly believe that. So I'm definitely one of the people that I believe that the lockdown was necessary. Uh, Now, because we didn't understand what we were dealing with. Now, how we dealt with the, as individuals, how we dealt with the epidemic and how we dealt with the challenges and the fear and all of that, that was more interesting that's how we you know that's on an individual basis because me as an individual when the government's making a a a play or a a decision at that particular time there's nothing i as a person can do about it i can start a petition and all of that good stuff but I, i have to have good arguments for it and in this case i didn't so i stayed out of it i'm like okay i'm gonna Go about my business and do what I do, and start a podcast and do all this fun stuff, uh, and not engage myself in the fear, because I think the fear of the pandemic or fear of losing a livelihood—the fears, and by and large, has been the source for much of the division we now experience because of, you know, whether to take the vaccine or not. You know, uh, the whether the government is overreaching or or not. I think we have to kind of deal with that and then do an after uh, uh, kind of a dissection of okay, what were the decisions that were made? Were they the right decisions? How do we do next time? You know, how do we prepare for something like this? So, again, coming back to not moving into a fear state or a antagonist kind of position but rather to start asking questions and saying to the government okay these are the we respect that you felt that you needed to do this how can we change this going forward how can we prepare going forward um without you know without uh, going about it from the fear point of view so whether you agree with you know, the policies or not, the only way to change policy is to become engaged and uh, doing so from a compassionate and acceptance point of view and start involving people in a process of uh, understanding and uh, preparation for, you know, well, how do we deal with this next time? Do you agree with that, Barbie?
2: I totally do. And I think ultimately what you're talking about is also the individualistic responsibility. The only person you're responsible for is yourself. And so therefore you can't go out there, cluck, cluck, cluck clucking at people saying, you know, you do this, you do that, you do this, just take care of your own self, take care of your own garden, take care of who you are and be the best version of yourself. And if you're a role model in that sense, as you've always said, then other people can also follow that.
0: Yeah. Then uh, if we show up as role models, then people can see, oh, that person is doing something, right? How, how did they do that? I better go and talk to them and engage. Then you have engagement, then you have involvement, right? Uh, and then you, can, then you can come up with solutions. If we don't communicate, we can't solve things. And that is super important from my point of view. Uh, so it, it's gotta be a movement top to bottom, bottom to top, it's gotta be lateral. It's got to be across society where we start moving towards understanding and accepting each other. I think that is really key in, the, in this process. Um, and the individual responsibility. That we all but I think
2: take. a lot of people want to. I think a lot of people actually really do want to understand each other. But a lot of people kind of don't know how. And if you just feel like you get shut down and nobody wants to hear what you had to say. So that's the other part, too, is just, you know continue to open the dialogue. And like you said, it's like, the more that you ask questions, like what Sherry was saying with the person at her senior center, like, you know, well, do you like me? What do you think about my, you know, idea, et cetera? She doesn't have to like your politics, but she can like you as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we get into that kind of a state of mind of asking someone, you know, I just want to know what your opinion is. I'm not going to hold you accountable for it. And I'm not going to tell you what, what I think of whether or not you're right or wrong. I just want to know what your opinion is. And the more people have that ability to share I think the more that we kind of like then can calm down and it's not that fear-based thing, which kicks all that adrenaline in. Cause that is, as you said, the fear part about it is the number one thing globally. That is the number one, number one, number one problem with all of it.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think in conclusion and as parting words, the solution is for each of us to show up in life as our authentic selves with compassion and acceptance and curiosity and uh, just the will to make things better and the will to help each other come to the best solutions that we can. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for your input and uh, as always bringing your wonderful, beautiful energies. And um, yeah, we're uh, solving uh, the world's ills one podcast at a time so thank you everybody have a good day i suppose that makes it clear it's all up to us as individuals to go out and be role models and show others how we can show up with compassion for each other without having to agree with that desire to understand and desire to connect and desire to find a solution to all the challenges that we face we might actually to come together as one and solve problems instead of bickering and fighting. How about that for a solution huh? If you want to explore how you might be able to show up with more peace and tranquility in your life and figuring out how to not become triggered by division, why not uh, visit our website at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, click on uh, the button down on the right hand corner to uh, schedule a 30 minutes free consultation with us to yeah simply explore and if we are the place for you to uh, explore these topics with yourself new episodes are released every week on fridays at 11 11 a.m london time so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on your next episode and uh, we look forward to having you uh, join us In the meantime, take care.